The staging looks a little different this weekend, and that's because this week is the week of our Hosanna Christmas concerts. In just a couple of days, more than 12,000 people will be coming into this area, into this campus, to see our Christmas concert that is full of sights and sounds that proclaim the birth of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ. So as a church, can we all be praying this week for all of the people coming in that their hearts will be touched and opened? opened, and even more discovery of who Jesus is. It's a big week at Hosanna. Well, what a joy it is for me to bring the opening message of our Advent series. For those of you who are new to the church, Advent is the, is the season on the church calendar that describes the weeks leading up to Christmas. It's the weeks of waiting and anticipation as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And I am so excited about the sermon series we've chosen for this Advent season. It is called, as you know from your program, Angels. Angels, Divine Messengers. And here's why we decided to do a series focused on angels. The main reason is that as we prayed for this Advent season, our deepest desires as preachers, as leaders, was to recapture the wonder of Christmas. See, the narrative, the story of Jesus' birth, it did happen in the natural realm, didn't it? There was a real young woman who went through labor and delivery, and we women know what that feels like, and delivered a baby into the world in the natural realm. But there was also a supernatural realm. There was something going on way beyond the natural realm. There were angels involved in these stories. And there was not just any old baby that was born. It was a baby that was born to change the world. And so we want to look at Christmas, at the, the stories of Jesus' birth through the eyes of angels. So that amidst all of our busyness in the natural realm, we will step back and recapture, recapture the wonder and the awe of Christmas. Now, there's another reason why we wanted to dive into this topic, and it's because the topic of angels is a popular one in our culture. There is so much intrigue and discussion about this, and there's all different thoughts on angels. I mean, we have movies going back to It's a Wonderful Life. We have the television show, the reruns of Touched by an Angel, where we learn that angels have a British accent. That's a good thing for us to know. But there's also all sorts of podcasts and interviews, mystics that are talking about angels. And so we as believers of Jesus Christ, we as those who, who take this word seriously and wrestle with it and study it, we wanted to enter this conversation as well. We wanted to bring a biblical view of angels. And what does this mean for us as followers of Jesus? So that's why we're tackling this topic over the next three weeks. Recapture the wonder of Christmas, but also dive into this conversation and bring a biblical view of angels. So the first question we have to ask ourselves is this. Do we really believe that angels exist? Do we really, as, as followers of Jesus, do we really believe that? Yes, we do. And, and here's why. There's a couple of reasons. Number one is that the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, describes a spiritual realm. Something that is going on beyond us. And it includes angels. And, and while there is much mystery to this, and there is, we're talking supernatural, 
there are some facts that we can know about angels from the Bible. And so I want to do a quick flyover of what do we know of some of the things about angels from the Bible. The first thing that I think is important to say is that the Bible describes that angels are created spiritual beings, created to serve God and humanity. Now, this is why this is important, and, and I want to be very careful here because I might need to shift some perceptions with some of you, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that we become angels after we die. It just doesn't say that. It actually says that God created us separately, that humans and angels have different purposes, but angels were created to ser serve God and to serve us. And so let's take a look at what some of the things are that the Bible describes that angels do. Number one, one of the primary responsibilities, roles of the angels were that they would assume human form and they would come and bring a message to humanity from God. They were the mail people, the mail delivery service from God. In fact, the word angel in the Greek is the word angelos, angelos. And it means messenger. So one of the primary roles was they would come to Abraham and different people in the Bible and they would assume human roles, human form, and they would bring a message from God. That's one of their roles. But that's not all. Here's some of these other ones. In the books of Isaiah and Revelation, it describes that angels are worshiping God unceasingly around his throne. Now think about that for a minute. That means that when we gather and we are worshiping, we are joining with the angels and their voices. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Just take a moment to let that take your breath away. That as we at all of our campuses just sang that song, we were joining with the angels in worshiping God because that's what the angels are doing. It also says that angels, in the book of Luke, Jesus himself said that angels rejoice every time a human repents. Every time a human turns from going their own way to decide to go God's way instead, they rejoice over that. The Bible in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, describes that angels would come to Jesus and minister to him throughout his life, strengthen him at times of temptation and struggle. They also were the ones at the tomb to say, he's not here, he's alive. They brought one of the most profound, the most profound message ever. The Bible also describes that angels are involved in some kind of a battle in the spiritual realm. That there is good and evil going on and there are warrior angels that are battling. I'm not gonna say too much more about that because we're gonna tackle some of this next week in our next angels message. You're gonna wanna come and hear that. But then the book of Hebrews also says that angels care for and protect us, care for and protect humanity. And that's a topic we'll look at in the third week. So angels were created to do a lot of things, but overall, we can say from the Bible, we do believe as followers of Jesus that angels are real, they are alive, and they are very active today. But some of you might be going, well, yeah, but have you ever seen one, Julia? <laughs> Maybe you're, one, maybe you're someone who's going, you know, I'm not sure what I think about the Bible. And if that's you, we are so glad you are here. We love to tackle and wrestle through the Bible together. And you are welcome no matter where you're at in your faith. But have I seen one? Maybe. I think I might have. 
Let me tell you a couple, two of the stories that I have. The first one is reinforced by the, the scripture in Hebrews 13, 2. And it says this, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. I have had strangers come into my life at different times and they have said things to me that have been profound. And then they've been gone and I haven't seen them again. One in particular that I remember happened 30 years ago. I was uh, in a very painful season of life and I had to go on a business trip. And so I went on an airplane and I got on the plane. I sat next to the window. I looked out the window. I did not want to talk to anybody. But the man next to me began to speak so kindly to me. And I have to tell you, he had a British accent. I'm just saying. <laughs> but he began to speak to me and he said things that touched me so deeply and that gave me hope and actually healing in that moment. Now, could that have just been an intuitive, kind person? Absolutely. But I would say that because of what the book of Hebrews says, and because 30 years later, I can just about tell you verbatim what he said because it impacted me so much. Could it have been an angel? Absolutely, I believe it could have been an angel. But I have one other story, and it's this. Back in Mother's Day 2002, it was the very first time I was ever going to be preaching. Now, I know some of you were in elementary school at the time, but I was preaching on that day. And I, I got up that morning, and as you can imagine, I was scared to death. Who am I to do this? And I can still have that feeling, not so much the fear, but the who am I. And I woke up, and I, I got down on my knees, and I began to pray, just, Lord, you got to help me. And in a nanosecond, I had a vision and what I saw was me on the church stage that I was going to be going to, not this one, it was a different church, but next to me were two enormous angels. They were at least 10 feet tall. And I remember just sitting up and going, wow, that was cool. I don't know if that was my imagination, but boy, that changes everything. It sure is a cool thought to have. The story doesn't end there. I pile my two little girls, who are three and six, in the car at the time, and they were that age, and we start driving there, and Petra, my youngest, she is three years old, she blurts out, Mama, angels are all around you. And then she went, I don't know why, I just said that. <laughs> and I said, I do, honey. And I got this picture of this 10-foot angel wedging himself between two car seats going, would you tell your mother this? She doesn't believe us, but she'll believe you. I do believe that there were some angels there because boy, and I preached in a way the very first time where I was so free because I knew there was something bigger going on than myself and that God was in it and I was not alone. So do I believe that I've seen angels? Yes, I do. But here's why I believe most that angels and the spiritual realm still exist today and it's this, it's because of you. Over the years, many of you have come to me and, and you often start out by saying, Pastor Julia, I don't know if you're going to believe this, but just want you to know, if you want me to hear something, just start with a sentence like that. And you'll share these stories of encounters or, or visions or things that you've seen. And so we believe you. In fact, we're so serious about this, we want to hear these stories. And on our website, there is a tab that says, share your story, share my story. If you have a story, whether you were five years old or 55 years old, will you go on there and will you share your stories with us about what you've seen in the spiritual realm, what you have seen of angels? 
We want to hear them. We don't have to use your name, but we believe that even these stories will help us to recapture the wonder and the awe of Christmas, that there's much going on around us that we can't even begin to imagine. So do we believe that angels are real? Absolutely yes. Now with that in mind, let's take a look at a Christmas story, at a narrative that has an angel involved. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. We're going to read through this. It says this. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. I'm just going to stop there for a minute. You know, we can read that last sentence, and in our English language, we can go, well, sure, that makes sense. The woman he thought he was going to get married to was pregnant. He knew it wasn't his baby, and so he's just going to leave her quietly and go on and find another sweet little woman to marry. I need to add a whole lot more emotion to that. I don't think we can even begin to imagine what Joseph was going through. Many theologians believe that he would not have heard this from Mary, but he would have heard it from the community. Can you imagine for him as he hears that the woman he wants to marry is pregnant? He knows he has not been with her. Can you imagine his pain, his anger, his confusion? Now, on top of this, did you notice it said that he was a righteous man? In the Bible, there are two different descriptions and, and images of what righteousness looks like. One is a righteousness of people who know the law and keep the letter of the law. A lot of times found in the Old Testament, in the Pharisees, keep the letter of the law. And, and so Joseph would have known the law. And because of this, he would have known that in the book of Deuteronomy, it says that if a woman is betrothed to somebody, to a man, and then goes with another man, that she and that other man are to be stoned and killed. It is that serious. And so all around Joseph would have been his community saying, Joseph, you know what you got to do. Mary has to be stoned. We know she hasn't been with you. So that would have been one option that he would have had. But then there's another form of righteousness that is described in the Bible. And, and it is one that does not ignore the law, but it's not about the letter of the law. It is about compassion. Compassion for the downtrodden, for the outcast, for the weak in their need. And as Joseph sat and wrestled between his different options, Ultimately, what it, the Bible says is that he landed on the righteousness of compassion. Doesn't it make sense that God would choose him to raise his son on earth? Because Jesus went on to demonstrate that compassionate righteousness everywhere he went. So this is what Joseph has decided. He's going to leave her quietly and not disgrace her. Goes on and it says, as he considered this, a better translation would be, as he fumed about this, as he debated internally, maybe somebody here is right in that place where you are struggling with some hard decisions. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Jesus, which means the Lord saves. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Oh, what a profound moment for Joseph. Now, it was amazing that an angel came to him, wasn't it? And that, that would be quite shocking and quite amazing. But can I just tell you that far more amazing than the messenger was the message. <laughs> Joseph would have heard what the angel said and he would have said, what? The Messiah? The one that we have been told would come for, for centuries? The one that was described as, as God walking among us, he's, he's here. He's inside of Mary right now. This is amazing. This changes everything. See, was it incredible that an angel came to him? Yeah, but far more incredible was the message that Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, was coming into the world. Now the question is, what did Joseph do with that? Did, did he wake up from his dream and go, Ugh, that was wild. I ate way too much baklava and shawarma last night. That's all I can say. He could have. He could have dismissed it. Imagination. But let's see what he did. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. See, God sent Joseph a message, a profound message that completely changed his perspective, changed his circumstances, but also redirected him on a new path, a path of life like he had never known before. And what did Jesus do? He listened to the message. He believed the message. And he acted on the message. See, because he chose to listen and believe and act on it, he was filled with boldness and courage. And he could say to his community, no, I will not stone her. No, I won't even leave her. Yes, I will marry her because I so believe this is the Messiah. Jesus has come. Can you imagine how the angels were rejoicing as Joseph turned from his path, the path that made perfect sense, and instead walked a path of life like he had never known before? This is what we learn from Joseph and the angels is that Jesus Christ came to and redirected his path and he listened and he lived a life like he had never known before. So what do we do with this story? How do we apply this to our lives? 
Do we wait for angels to appear? Do we pray to angels? No. Mm -mm. See, every story about an angel, the angels don't point to themselves and say, look to me. Uh -uh. They say, look to him. Look to him. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Hebrews chapter one. I'm just going to read a couple verses, but can I encourage you to read all of Hebrews chapter one this, day, this week? Each day, read it. It is all about Jesus and his relationship with the angels. But starting with verse three, it says this. The son, Jesus, radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything, everything in the spiritual realm, everything in the natural realm. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. When Jesus died and rose again, he sat down on the throne of God at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. And this shows that the son is far greater. Everybody say far greater. The son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. Hebrews chapter one goes on to describe that Jesus is Lord over all. He is the son of God and that the angels were created to serve him and to do his bidding. So are angels real? Yes. But angels are pointing everyone to the one. The one who came as a baby at Christmas time. The one who grew and walked in righteousness and showing compassion and love. The one who died and rose again. And the one who is seated on the throne. And the one who says to each and every one of us, come to me. Come to me, Lord of all. I want to be in a relationship with you. And I want to redirect your paths and lead you on a path of life like you have never known before. Are angels real? Yes. Do they still come? I believe God still sends them. They may come in a vision, in a dream, in a stranger. But far more important, far greater, is that Jesus promised us that he would send his spirit to live in us, the Holy Spirit, his presence, and that he would lead us and he would guide us on a path of life for all of eternity. The question is, are you listening? Are you believing and are you acting on what the Holy Spirit is saying? You know, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Ryan sent out an email to everybody and uh, it was an update on all sorts of great things going on at Hosanna. And, and one of the little paragraphs in it was about me. And it, it just said that Pastor Julia is working in a part-time role. She's still an active part of the preaching team. And, and since that went out, I've gotten lots and lots of questions. Um, first of all, I just want to thank you that you are, are, care about me, that you're concerned. And, um, and a lot of the questions have been things like, are you, are you sick? Is there anything going on? Are you unhappy? Are you leaving? And, and so I just, I wanted to say right up front, I love this church. I love the people of this church. And I am so honored and so privileged to be on this preaching team. It is, it is just one of the greatest joys of my life. I also want to let you know I have been working part-time for about eight months, 
And so this isn't new. Um, and I actually have preached more this year than I have any other year before. The difference is that I'm preaching at all four campuses, so not one campus gets to see me as much as they used to. So I just want to reassure you, I really am an active part of this preaching team. But about a year and a half to two years ago or so, I would be praying, and, and often when I prayed, I, I would see this. I would see Jesus standing outside the buildings, and he'd be going like this. And so I did what any rational person would do. I ignored it completely. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know what that means. I'm just going to ignore you. I began to rationalize it. I began to think of all different things. And then I began to wrestle. And, and, and Jesus just, the good thing is, is he just keeps repeating himself. If you don't hear him, he will just keep repeating. And, and as I sat and wrestled with this, what I began to experience was a deep stirring in me, not to stop preaching, but, but also this stirring to work with people who are outside of the church walls, maybe some who have been hurt by the church or are so broken they don't feel like they can walk in, to bring healing and empowerment and, and work with them spiritually and provide a safe place to sit and work through that. And, and I still don't know exactly what this means. But, but as this stirred in me, I couldn't ignore it. And so I went to Pastor Ryan and Pastor Steve Hudson and, and we began to talk and pray and wrestle. And, and I'm just so grateful that I have leaders that believe that Jesus still speaks today. And, and so as we kept processing this, what we finally came to was let's try this. Let's ha let have me work in a part-time role so that I can also spend more time listening, praying, leaning into it, talking to people outside of the building, and see what Jesus is calling me to do to bridge these two areas. Now, has this been easy? Absolutely not. <laughs> there have been many mornings that I've woken up and thought I had way too much baklava and shawarma last night. But as I have worked through this, what I just have to recognize is that 30 years ago, I heard the message of Jesus Christ and it hit me at a deeper level. And in that moment, I experienced the presence of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. And I surrendered my life and committed my life to following him no matter where he asked me to go. And he has taken me on a ride of a lifetime that I never could have imagined. Does it make sense? No. Financially, this makes no sense. From a career standpoint, some would say I'm crazy. But I cannot deny what I am seeing and hearing him asking me to do. And so that's why I am part-time. I love this church. I love, I'm so honored to preach. But I'm doing my best to follow Jesus. Could I be wrong? Yeah, I could be misinterpreting him. But several years ago, my husband and I were being mentored by a man who was also making a difficult decision, a risky choice. And he said this, even if I am wrong, if I'm misinterpreting him, God cares most about my heart. And he knows that my heart wants to do his will. So he will take care of me. And I'm banking on that too. So that is what is going on with me. And I was hesitant to share it because I don't want to set myself up as special or as anything different. In fact, my first thought was, I'm not Mary or Joseph. And then all of a sudden I stopped and I went, you know what? Yes, I am. And so are all of you. Every single one of us is an ordinary person who gets to be in a relationship with an extraordinary God who still speaks today 
who directs and redirects our paths and guides us forward on a life, on a, a path of life for today and for all of eternity. So as I come to a close, I have three questions for you. Three questions. I, I find that when you're talking about the supernatural, the, the mystical, the, the, the spiritual realm, it is a whole lot better to ask questions and share stories than it is to pretend that you're an expert on it because there's just so much we don't know. But here are my three questions, and I invite you to wrestle with these today and all week. The first one is this. Do you know the one who the angels are pointing to? I'm not just talking knowing about him. I am saying, do you know him personally, Jesus? He says, come to me. I want to be in a relationship with you. And so if you have never known him personally, today can be the day where you say, yes, I want to follow you. The angel said, don't be afraid. <laughs> He's good. And in a few minutes, we're all at all of our campuses going to be receiving communion where we remember that Jesus gave his whole life to us. And as we come forward to receive the body and the blood, it is our opportunity to say, yes, and I give my life to you. Will you come in? He's knocking. I'm opening the door. Will you come into my life and lead me forward? That's my first question. Do you know the one the angels, the messengers are pointing to? My second question is this. Are you listening? Are you listening? Are you believing and are you acting on what he's telling you? See, Jesus is inviting us into a story that is way beyond ourselves. And I, as I was praying for the church, I, I got this feeling that many of us, we, we've listened, we've heard the messages, we, we've, we've believed, but we haven't acted on them. If you want to hear Jesus Christ, he says, my sheep know my voice. And so what you just need to do is say, yes, I want to hear you. Help me to hear you. Help me not to just think it's shawarma and baklava. Help me to believe you. And then help, give me the courage to step out and follow you. He's serious. He's got big things planned in the years to come. So do you know him? Are you hearing him, believing, and responding? And then my last question is this. Are you called to be the angelos, the messenger, to someone else this Christmas season? Not an angel, but a messenger. See, all around us are people who are caught up in the natural realm and, and they need to know there's something way beyond themselves. And so, is God calling you? In your programs this weekend are, are 10 great recommendations of how to make room. That's going to be a big theme for us next year, making room for relationships with people. And so take a look at those. The last one is invite someone to our Christmas Eve services. Who is God putting you, putting on your heart right now to come to our Christmas Eve services, not to look at us, but to watch us point to the one who's changed all of our lives? So those are my three questions for you. Do you know him? Are you listening to him, believing and following him? Really? And is God calling you? Who is God calling you? to be the angelos, the messenger to this Christmas season. I'm going to close in prayer and then we're going to have the incredibly beautiful and tender opportunity to receive communion today. Let this be your time 
to maybe commit for the first time to follow him, maybe for the thousandth. But let's commit seriously to following Jesus, the one who leads us on the path of life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for humbling yourself and leaving the throne room to come and come as a baby, completely vulnerable for us. Thank you for walking and, and demonstrating your love and your righteousness of compassion. And Jesus, I just pray right now that you, Holy Spirit, will move in a tender and powerful way. Lord, for anybody who doesn't know you today, let this be the day where the angels rejoice as someone says, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna follow you, Jesus. Open their eyes to see you and give them the courage to follow you. Lord, will you open our ears and our eyes as, as your church to hear you even more as we enter into 2020? Give us 2020 vision of you, Lord, and give us the courage to really follow you. But then, Lord, stir in our hearts the people around us that you're calling us to be your messenger, to bring your message of love and invitation and kindness. Help us to follow you and impact the world with your name. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness and your love. May you be blessed and honored this Christmas season as we worship you with the angels. I pray that all in Jesus' name, amen.